Episode 13, What Do We Do Now? She's flying out of Boston right now. We'll take care of any expenses, said Beetlehouse as he began to think out loud. He's got to make it through. Oh, Brian's got to make it through. He's got to. He mumbled as he got up and started pacing the corridor. I know what this is all about. What was that, sir? Forget it. Quiet. However, Carrie's condition remained unchanged as the long hours of the night wore on. Most of the team had returned to the hotel. Luger, his coach Davy Gomes, and Ken Weissman, and another player, sat in the waiting area playing a subdued game of poker. As the doctor came through the swinging doors, the group put down their cards and ran down the corridor. Beetlehouse, grumbling, stumbled to his feet. Yes, doctor. Mr. Carey's condition with what we've done to relieve the swelling, his vital signs look increasingly better, but I must caution you, he's still unconscious and these hours are very critical. Critical, doctor? Critical in the sense that if he does not regain consciousness soon, there could be permanent brain damage, he said candidly. But is that a certainty? asked Beetlehouse. Mr. Beetlehouse, nothing in this case is an absolute certainty. I can't just call something 100% certainty. I will say, however, there's real reason for concern. Boys all done, he cried as he turned and walked down the corridor alone, mumbling to himself. Doctor, if we want to know about the slightest change, said Luger. Come on, boys, let's go. Night, doctor. Night, said the doctor softly as he watched him disappear down the corridor. The skies over Louisiana had cleared early on that dark morning after a threatening rain all night. Darby had driven the MG until one o'clock. As the morning sun shone on the highway, Phillips had been driving for six hours. Phillips let up on the gas as he saw the truck ahead. He was tired, and when he did shut his eyes for a few seconds, the white and yellow lines on the highway, the green and white signs, and the red taillights remained embedded in his mind, like an overexposed photograph. It was not until they crossed the Mississippi border that he shouted for Darby to wake up. Darby! Darby! tightened her eyes. Yeah, what time is it, Gary? She asked as she yawned and stretched her arms. Ten past seven, said Phillips, who was now wearing her large round sunglasses. How are you doing? She asked as she squeezed his hand. Tired, but I can drive a little bit longer. We've got to find out what this is all about. Just a little bit hungry. How about you? We haven't eaten since yesterday. We'll find something to eat. What about Walsh? When's the last time he got gas? Oh, he's due, he's due real soon. I saw a sign for a diner back there, said Phillips, thinking of his growling stomach. It said five miles ahead. She turned on the radio and twisted the dial. It really looks as though that truck is going to Florida. Another couple of hours we'll be there. We just crossed into Mississippi, said Phillips as the announcer was finishing up the broadcast. Weather from the Pensacola area, sunny and mild today, and tomorrow high temperatures in the 70s both days. Low tonight in the 50s with a chance of precipitation near zero through the weekend. WPJD temperature is 67 degrees. PJD reminds you that your donation to the United Way brings help to those who need it. Lend in, lend a hand. Now back to more music and Don Ralston. At this exit, said Phillips as he increased the speed of the car, coming uncomfortably close to the moving truck. He swung off the interstate quickly filled the tank at the next self-service station while Darby went into the diner and ordered two breakfasts to go. As Phillips went into the diner, she was preparing to pay for the food. All filled, he said as the old wooden table radio broadcast the 730 News. This is the WBLX 730 report brought to you by Endicott Chevrolet, 31 Battle Street, downtown Biloxi. Darby paid for the food and Phillips grabbed one of the bags as they turned to leave. 
sports world and the country was stunned last night by the tragic injury to Miami Tropics. He said as they stopped cold and looked back at the radio. Outfielder Brian Carey. Carey was hit in the face at the top of the first inning in Chicago's Comiskey Park by White Sox ace Al Grzynski. Darby and Phillips turned in disbelief toward each other in a synchronous motion. Darby's arm fell to her side and she dropped the bags. Instantaneously, as if they were in a room with the walls closing inward, they huddled close to each other, Darby breaking into tears as the report continued. Carey has been in guarded condition at the West Side Hospital in Chicago since early last night. Topics spokesman Fran Healy said he had no official comment and will be holding a news conference later this morning. Carey broke into the big leagues five years ago, leading the American League in home runs for four out of the last five years, pounding out 210 in, his short in the short time that he's played. Darby and Phillips then ran out into the clay parking lot. She looked up at him, her blue eyes drenched in tears, as the cars whizzed by on the interstate. Beetle House. We have to call Beetle House, he said as they ran back to the diner, the pay telephone at the end of the counter. Darby gave him the number to the Tropics, front offices, and Phillips promptly dialed the telephone. However, Beetle House's secretary was not moved by their arguments that they were close friends of Brian Carey. The switchboard had been jammed all morning with hundreds of such calls. Then leave this message for Beetle House, said Phillips. Very well, but I don't know when he'll get it, said the secretary. Tell him Darby and Gary are trailing Walsh in Mississippi, requested Phillips. I'll give him that message, she said, hanging up. Again, now what do we do, asked Darby, unnerved by the news about Carrie. We follow the truck, said Phillips, taking her hand. What else can we do? They hurried back to the MG. Phillips put down the top and they raced back onto the interstate to try and catch the moving van. Join us next time for another episode of Absolute Zero by Robert P. Fitton. Produced by Fitton Theatre of the Words. <laughs>